Hello, dear listener. It is I, the entity known throughout the cosmos and all of existence as Fred Martin. And this is another entry of The Mind of Fred. I think I've finally settled on whether or not to call these episodes or journals or whatever. I think I'll go ahead and just call them entries. I feel like uh, that makes more sense for me Uh, because personally, I feel to call these entries, uh, to call these entries episodes as a little, I don't know, a little ridiculous. Like when I say the word episode. I think of, like, I guess a TV show. You're changing the channel, or, well, you're getting prepared to be told a story. And, uh, I don't know, I just feel like saying episode feels a little, uh, I don't know, dishonest? It just feels weird, alright? So I think I'll go ahead and settle on just saying entries. This is another entry of The Mind of Fred, an entry into The Mind of Fred. And so as you may have noticed, uh, there hasn't been any spacious episodes for a little while now. And part of that reason has been because uh, our our schedules have been a little wacky lately. Uh, Harlan has gotten pretty busy with work and school, and uh, Matt himself is getting back into school. School is just uh, starting up. I think it starts uh, this upcoming week, or maybe the week after next. And um, so they've just been getting themselves prepared to get ready to get back into into college, into school. Matt wanted to take a trip out to uh, to Dallas to visit his family there, so... um, and then, um, Harlan, uh, well, we couldn't really, we, we're gonna start doing our episodes earlier now. It used to be we would do them at two o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays, but, uh, now because of scheduling conflicts, we're gonna start doing them even earlier, like at nine in the morning. Uh, so we may or may not, um, uh, Periscope that early. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be still people out there in the world that are still going to be tuning into Periscope there. Um, But as far as our hemisphere goes, well, everyone is just waking up on Sunday at nine in the morning. If not, they're still sleeping in probably from a heavy night the night before. Saturday being one of the heaviest party nights of the weekend. Am I right? (laughs) So anyway... Uh, for those reasons, I am, I will be your host, your guide through this next 30-ish minutes. And, uh, well, thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to listen to The Mind of Fred. Thank you for listening to Spacious. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, what music I'm actually playing in the background, if you can even hear it, I'm sure you can. It's, uh, Carbon Based Lifeforms. Their album, uh, Hydroponic Gardens, I think? Yes, Hydroponic Garden. Uh, Carbon Based Lifeforms, uh, was introduced to me 
by Harlan. And they are... Their music is very uh, atmospheric. Very... uh, I guess... (laughs) Mysterious, even. Uh, It's music that you would maybe put on in the background of some interesting movie like... I don't know, let's say The Matrix. Like, you could put their music behind when Morpheus is telling Neo about The Matrix, what The Matrix is, and how he's been living a lie. Um, or anything of that nature. They're uh, one of my favorites now. Uh, Harlan <laughs> used them one time uh, during one of, our, uh, one of our meetings when we first met and uh, revealed to me some pretty interesting and crazy things, uh, metaphysical things, that uh, really blew my mind. And the addition of carbon-based life forms in the background as the music that we were listening to during that time just really helped emphasize that. (laughs) Well, anyway, dear listener, um... Today, this particular episode of The Mind of Fred uh, episode, this particular entry into The Mind of Fred (laughs) uh, is not like the ones you've heard before. Uh, At least not like the ones you've heard before in the recent past. There was a time, like a year ago or two years ago, when I started this whole thing, when It was just the might of Fred. It wasn't spacious, and it wasn't what it was before speaking apes, and it wasn't what it was before rhetorical gestures. It was just me. And sometimes I would go and just talk to friends, uh, or I would actually write up essays. Uh, I guess you could say, uh, well... Yeah, sure, why not? Essays, scripts, uh, for the episodes. This particular episode is one like that. It's one that I've uh, that I've been working on for um, for a couple of months now, off and on for a couple of months. It would have been finished much sooner if uh, I'm not going to say if I had more time. More like if I just put more time into it. Uh, I'm always talking about I don't have enough time for this. I don't have enough time for that, but. It's not true. I think I have plenty of time to do some of these things that I say that I don't really have time for. Uh, Unfortunately, I let stupid things, (laughs) like, well, not stupid things, but um, things that don't have as much importance take that time. And one particular thing is definitely video games. Um, I have... I've gone into somewhat of a video game binge over the past month or two because there are just so many good ones and since I don't have that much time to do a lot, I end up wasting whatever time I have away on video games. Uh, So... Because of this, yes, you know, I've had some great adventures in video games, and, you know, video games aren't necessarily evil. They're not. They're, they're another thing that we can choose to pay attention to and choose to delegate certain amounts of time to, just like TV shows, just like any other hobby, really. None of it really has to be 
um, an impediment to your life, we are the ones that allow that to, to become so. By allowing them so much of our time, something that is incredibly valuable, especially in your adulthood, um, when you have a family, uh, when you have other responsibilities that demand your time for the sustainability of your lifestyle. <laughs> um, so, yes, it's my fault. I accept that. I do. And um, it wasn't until maybe this past week that I started to see that this was actually happening to me. That I was, that I have been slacking off in other areas of my life that I would like to better myself in just to play some freaking video game. I love video games. I do. I love the stories. I love the experiences. But as far as my real life, what they have to offer to me out here in the real world, it's not much. They don't have much to offer. So, because I've realized this in myself, um, because I've begun realizing this in myself, I'm going to try and... F trying, I am going to. I'm going to step back a little bit from, from video games because I've slacked off on, on my fitness, on my working out, uh, on, you know, my, my weight training, my, my cardio. Uh, like, it's been probably two months since I've been to the gym and even that long since I've went for a jog. But I broke that on Friday. On Friday, I went out for a jog after I came home from work I did a three what is it no a 5k and, and that's usually what I do whenever I go for a jog I always run at least three miles um, and so I intend to pick that right back up again I intend to start going to the gym again this week and I'm always I've always been giving myself like whenever I fall into these slumps of of uh well, inactivity. Um, they last probably about as long as this last one did, which was about two months. And then I snap out of it and I'm like, man, I really got to get back into it. I got to get back into myself. The only thing I didn't really slack off too much on was my diet. My diet, I was able to stay on top of for the most part. Come the weekend, I would fuck off quite a bit. Like, I definitely fucked off this 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 particular weekend um yesterday we went to the woodlands mall and we went to lolly pops can you imagine can, can you guess what that is that is a candy shop and we spent like 40 dollars on candy so there's a lot of candy in my apartment right now <laughs> and yes i picked out on it yesterday and uh i had some this today um, but I also, we also had a, uh, a birthday party to go to, a child's birthday party to go to, and there they had pizza, and they had cake, and they had ice cream, you know, all the bad stuff, um, and of course I had that, but, uh, come tomorrow, it starts again, 
come tomorrow, I intend to bring myself back uh, to that reality that I wish to have for myself, which is one where I am a physically fit person, where I eat cleanly and, you know, fuck off every now and then because, hey, you know, ice cream is great. It's awesome. You got to let yourself yourself have that every now and then. Don't beat yourself up when you do have it, Um, but get back on the horse because ultimately we all know it's bad for us. We all do, unless you're too young to have known this already. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what's been going on uh, with me. Uh, I've been spending too much time on video games, and uh, so I intend to pull away from that some and uh, get back to myself. Like, uh, get back to reading more. Get back to... Uh, well, stimulating my mind in ways that I used to to bring me to the point I am now as far as mentally goes what I know <laughs> and what I can know so this isn't that scripted part by the way this so far has all been out of my head but um, this particular entry into the mind of Fred is about my spiritual beliefs I don't think I covered everything in this particular entry, uh, in this particular scripted thing, but I covered a lot. I covered a lot. And um, it's only going to take about, probably about the same amount of time as any other episode of, uh, or entry into the mind of Fred usually is, uh, which is about um, like 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, not starting now, so the, the, these next 20 to 30 minutes are in addition to what you've already heard. And so, dear listener, I, Fred, the cosmic entity known as Fred, manifesting himself within this physical reality, in this physical body that I now am in possession of. Was I just William Shatner? (laughs) Okay, dear listener, here is uh, what I believe to be uh, the origins of our of our physical reality. uh, where, Where we're going when we die and what we might actually be. And what is po- might actually possible? What might actually be possible? So, this particular episode of the Mind of Fred is about my beliefs. The origin of the universe. In the beginning. There was only the nothing. And then, something happened. What that something is, I don't know. But it led to this, the here and now. Existence itself. Was it a god? Probably. Probably not. Did the universe just sprout into existence from the nothing? Probably. Probably not. 
According to some scientists, if we add up all the mass of the universe in some sort of cosmic equation that they have figured out, the end result is zero. I don't know how. I am not a scientist, but I will put my faith in what they have to say since they are obviously much more intelligent than I am, and probably smarter than you too. The fact of the matter is, even some science is saying it is not impossible for our universe to come from nothing, no matter how counterintuitive that may seem. The nothing. That being the case, what is the nothing? I don't believe that nothing is what we might think it is. Nothing being the absolute contrast of something. I believe that the nothing, in the cosmic sense, is actually an eternal field of infinite potentiality. The nothing, like some culture's gods, has no beginning and it has no end. It has always been and it will always be. I recently read a book called Science and the Akashic Field by Irvin Laszlo. In what he described the Akashic field, I've up until recently called the nothing, or source. So, I suppose, I will use his word, or Akasha, since it sounds cooler and more mysterious anyway. From the Akasha, the nothing, or source, all things imaginable and unimaginable sprout into existence. You name it. Gods. Unicorns, angels, dragons, elves, dwarves, humans, etc. It's all real. Even though these beings may not exist in our universe, as far as we know, the Akasha, being what it is, has absolutely unlimited space for those realities in which these beings do exist. Remember, if the Akasha, the nothing or source, is eternal, and spreads infinitely in all directions and all things and all anything needs to exist is an indefinite amount of time to pass no matter how improbable it is inevitable that it will exist even if that thing's existence goes against our understanding of the laws of this universe which is all we have the akasha being an eternal field of potentiality allows for alternate universes with physical laws that enable the existence of such beings like dragons and things like magic to be real. It also allows for the existence of dead universes, entire realities in which there is no life, just messy soups of chaos. So, what about God? Some of you might be asking, what about God? Where is he in all this? Well, as I said earlier, God, whatever God you worship, is real. He, she, it exists somewhere in this field of eternity. Whether there was a God behind the creation of our universe is a different story. Perhaps there was. Perhaps the Christian God Jehovah, or the Islamic God, which is supposedly the same God, Allah, is responsible for the creation of our universe. Maybe it was some other god that we have yet to imagine or uncover. 
maybe it was no god, and this universe did sprout into existence out of pure chance. We don't really know. Questions such as these truly are matters of faith, the answers to which may never be known to humankind for whatever reason, whether it's that we won't survive long enough as a species to know them, or simply that we are physically incapable of understanding them due to the limitations imposed upon us by the vessel we currently inhabit, the human body. Of course, I believe gods exist, within universes and in the spaces in between. I like to think of gods that originated within universes as demigods. I imagine demigods to be the end result of a sufficiently advanced civilization living within a universe that have mastered their understanding of their reality and have learned to manipulate it all at will. We would call what they do as magic or divine intervention. They would call it science or some other similar term for understanding. The next step in the development of a demigod civilization would be to break free of the limitations of their own universe and enter the Akasha, the eternal space in between where the actual, where the real gods reside. Bear with me here. I'm actually making some of this stuff up on the fly, using a bit of logic, if you could call it that, and imagination. A lot of imagination. But these are things I've thought about in the past. The difference between a god and a demigod is that a demigod originates within a universe as the end result of a sufficiently advanced civilization and maintains some sort of physicality, therefore limited by a certain set of laws. Even if they manage to traverse the Akasha, it is done in a vessel, perhaps a bubble, a piece of their universe that holds them together and protects against the chaotic nature of the Akasha. The Akasha would likely destroy such a being since the rules of that space are, for lack of a better word, unwritten or undefined. A god, on the other hand, originates as a disembodied consciousness within the Akasha with the power to manipulate the Akashic field. A god comes into existence as a result of a random chance occurrence. In the same way that science has shown it is possible for our own universe to come from nothing, so can a god. And so, if a god can manipulate the Akashic field at will, it can create whatever it can imagine from the Akasha. So, if you believe that Jehovah, or Allah, created this universe, or that it randomly came into existence, you might be right. If you believe that Thor is real, or you worship the ancient gods of Greece, you're probably right. Given the eternal nature of reality, given that all things are possible in enough time, Jehovah did create a universe. Allah created a universe. Was it this universe? I personally don't think so, if you're going by those holy books. Their stories don't reflect this reality. I believe in gods and demigods because I am forced to due to my belief in an eternal reality. I don't worship any of them. I see them somewhat as equals, other beings that I share existence with. 
Sometimes I'll pray for guidance or for their help regarding something about my life or the lives of others, but I don't worship them. I thank them for listening if they are there. I thank them again if they happen to be the ones answering my prayers. Other than that, if I feel like talking to them, I speak to them as you would a friend. I don't think I'll grovel at their feet if I meet them after I die, if I'm even conscious for that matter. Now, before I go to the next topic, let me share something else with you about my life. When I was younger, during my late teens, I considered myself a Christian. Before then, I was raised Catholic. I never paid much attention in Sunday school, and I was never really that interested in learning about the Bible or God. It was always boring to me. Going to church was a chore. All I wanted to do was go home and play video games and read my books. The only thing that kept me going and pretending I was interested was that my parents would bribe me with money, candy, or maybe another video game. I was always only pretending. The only things about reality that interested me during that stage of my life were astronomy and paleontology, the study of dinosaurs. If there was a movie or documentary about the stars or dinosaurs, I was all over it. It wasn't until about the age of 16 or 17 that I started taking an interest in the biblical God. It's thanks to the Left Behind series, a fictional novelization of the Bible's book of Revelation, that I became interested in Christianity. I was baptized Catholic, but considered myself a Christian after reading a few of those books. My high school ring even has a cross underneath a purple gemstone. About a year after high school, I got a tattoo of a Celtic cross on my right shoulder blade. At one point, I remember praying to God, asking him to make me the Antichrist so that the things detailed in Revelations would come to pass. I wanted Jesus Christ to return and establish his kingdom on earth so that everyone that could be saved would be, even if it meant throwing my own soul into the eternal hellfire. Yes. I did believe in heaven and hell. I believed in an afterlife. And then, I didn't. Before I stopped believing in God, I read a book called The Science of God by Gerald L. Schroeder. I heard about it in high school, but I didn't get around to reading it until after I graduated. I didn't know there was actually a debate about the existence of God until my high school crush revealed to me that she didn't believe in God. She was the reason why I became interested in arguing a case for God. It blew my mind that someone could actually choose not to believe in God. Considering that I believed such a person would burn forever for doing so. Not only that, this was my high school crush. Why would I want her, of all people, to burn in hell forever? No, I wanted her to end up in heaven by my side. So. In the years that followed, I became interested in logically arguing for God's existence for her sake and others like her. Little did I know this path would eventually lead me to my own atheism. Sometime after reading the signs of God and scouring the internet for the answers towards his existence, I learned about Richard Dawkins. Up until that point, I hadn't f been fully convinced that the explanations creation scientists, proponents of intelligent design, included, truly explained the nature of the universe and why we are here. 
Even though I would accept what they had to offer, a part of me felt they had to manipulate the facts for any of it to make sense. At my core, I knew it shouldn't be that way. The truth needs no excuses. It just is. Since this is how I felt, I decided to give the opposing side a chance. I went to a local Barnes & Noble and bought Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. Here's a little bit of what he has to say about the biblical God of Christianity. Quote, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. A misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. End quote. For the most part, I agree with him. If this really is how the Christian God is depicted in the Bible, looking at it from an objective point of view, who would truly want to worship such a being? Strangely enough, over two billion people do. I've never read the entire Bible, like most people, but I imagine that if it were to be read objectively, without trying to interpret it for modern times, it might make for a good book of stories and wisdom, but also stories of horrible atrocities based around a god who seems very reminiscent of the mentality of man at the time those books were written. The undeniable truths discovered about this universe with the powerful tools of science should be enough to convince someone that the Abrahamic texts do not contain the answers for our existence. Wisdom and morals can be found there, but not existential truths. So, after reading The God Delusion, Richard Dawkins achieved in me what he set forth at the beginning of the book. His work succeeded in making me into an atheist. I was an atheist for about six or seven years. Somewhere in that time, I did have a relapse back to Christianity after experiencing a pretty powerful trip on MDMA. At that time, I was allegedly selling MDMA. Because of the stigma attached to the drug, I felt a sense of guilt. On the night I reverted back to Christianity, I was coming down from the trip and feeling the depressant effects of having all my serotonin depleted. I had somehow convinced myself that God was speaking through me, scolding me for selling these pills to his children. So I brought what pills I had left and flushed them down the toilet. For the next three or so months, I was a born-again Christian, so to speak. Eventually, my sense of rationality kicked in, and I finally admitted to myself that I was once again only pretending to believe. For what reason? I'm really not sure. I think I just wanted to feel like I belonged somewhere more familiar. Christianity certainly brings that for me, even now when I can no longer believe. Stepping into a church still feels like home but I think that's only because I was raised around them. In the summer of 2012, I was getting tired of working for Best Buy. I had been working there since 2008, but I was hardly making any moves within the company. 
Honestly, I was a terrible salesman. I'm pretty sure that if they could have fired me for being a terrible salesman, they would have. So, I was getting tired of working at Best Buy, and I wanted to start looking for another job. Unfortunately, since cannabis was still a Schedule 1 substance, I had to quit consuming that precious herb if I was going to get hired anywhere worthwhile. I didn't want to quit getting high, though. As stupid as it sounds, I decided to go the synthetic route. I had already tried synthetic marijuana a couple times before. The high didn't feel exactly like the high from consuming cannabis, but I thought it felt pretty close. It's weird, but I want to say it felt more metallic. That word seems fitting to me, although it doesn't really seem to make sense. What sent me towards synthetic marijuana was the fact that it could not be detected in drug tests. I could still get some kind of high while I waited for my system to clean out the cannabis so I could find another job. I smoked synthetic marijuana every day for a little over a month. At the end of that month, I experienced what I can only describe as a heart attack. I wasn't on the synthetic when it happened, but after a month straight of using it, I imagine it took its toll on my heart. There had been reports of young people dying from heart failure after using synthetic. I was naive and believed that those people that died from using synthetic only died because they were somehow or another not doing it right. I was wrong. I mean, how else were people consuming this thing? It was meant to be smoked. I was working behind the counter at Geek Squad when it happened. I've always been a joker everywhere I've worked and at school. I was known as one of the funny guys. When I felt the pain shoot down my left arm, felt my heart sputtering and my vision dimming, I told the person closest to me that I was having a heart attack and that they needed to call an ambulance. They didn't believe me at first. They thought I was joking, but no, fortunately for me, my heart was able to reset itself shortly after that episode. I was still scared though. I waited, lying down behind the Geek Squad station for the paramedics to get there. When they checked me out, they said they didn't see any signs of a heart attack. They said that I was only experiencing a panic attack, which can be confused for a heart attack. I promise you, dear listener, I promise you, that was no panic attack. Having that heart attack experience made me realize how not ready I was to die. I still had so many questions about existence and what might come after. I thought I was comfortable in my atheism, but that heart attack jolted me into realizing that I wasn't. I had thought that when I finally died, it would be with grace welcoming my total annihilation. No, it wasn't going to be that way. Even now, while I'd like to think I have a better understanding of what could happen when we die, I think I will still be trying to hold on to dear life, white-knuckling it until my final breath. Now, I needed to figure something out. I couldn't bring myself to believe that death was the end. Even after being an atheist for seven years, I couldn't go back to being a Christian. It just didn't make sense to me anymore. Instead of going back to Christianity, I went the New Age route. I had dabbled in occult practices when I was younger, but nothing too serious. Other than that, a couple months, maybe a year, 
Before the heart attack, I came across this YouTube channel called Spirit Science. The first 12 or so episodes were based on a book called The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life by Drunvalo Melchizedek. The videos discussed things like the healing power of crystals, metaphysical technologies by ancient civilizations, out-of-body travel, things of that sort. I don't think they ever discussed the afterlife, but it was this metaphysical reawakening that led me down a rabbit hole, eventually leading me to where I am today. So, what does the mind of Fred have to say about the afterlife? Understand that at this point, and no matter what I say, we ultimately have no proof one way or the other. No one that has stayed dead and been to the other side, if there is such a place, has ever returned. Yes, we've had many accounts of near-death experiences where people talk about seeing a white light at the end of a tunnel, meeting with dead relatives or some sort of loving figure, being out of body, but even most of these experiences have been explained away by scientists who study the process of death. When we die, our body releases a storm of endorphins and other psychotropic compounds that could, in effect, cause a psychedelic experience at the end of our life. Imagine someone going through this. To the outside world, we see them as dead or dying. To them, they are having the magic mushroom trip of their life. So, it's possible that what many people report in near-death experiences is, unfortunately, mere hallucinations caused by the psychedelic reactions going on in a person's brain. What happens when all these compounds are finally depleted, and there is zero activity in the brain, and zero chance of that person returning to life? As I said, no one really knows. Here's what I believe. I think one of three things, or all of them, come to pass. Remember, the Akasha is eternal. Within eternity is the potential for everything we can imagine to occur, given an indefinite amount of time. The first. When we die, after the body and brain completely shut down, that is the end of our conscious existence. There is no afterlife state where we get to frolic in fields with our passed on pets and have tea and biscuits with our dead friends and relatives. There is only a timeless state of nothingness. This state of non-existence goes on and on for an indefinite amount of time, millions of years billions of years, trillions of years, on and on. On and on until one day in the far future, across the Akashic field of eternity, this universe, this same universe, comes back into existence exactly as we know it today. Since it is exactly as it is today, you and me will return to live this life exactly as we are living it today with the same people that we know and love. So, if this is true, then this likely isn't the first time you've heard me say these words. You've only been reset into this experience, and so this life will repeat and repeat 
over and over again for all of eternity, and you and I will never know it, each time seeming like new. The Second When we die, rather than going into a seemingly unending nothingness, our consciousness transfers immediately into another life at another point in the vast expanse of eternity. Your next life could be an alien being that lives five billion light years away from Earth. Your next life could be an elf that exists in another universe entirely that has laws of physics that allow for things like magic and dragons to exist. Your next life could even be in this same existence in the past, but instead you're born as someone else or as one of your pets. Again, you would never know it. The old you, the you that you think you are, would be entirely gone from your conscious experience, replaced by whatever follows. I think most people confuse who they think they are with their egos. What defines them is the outside world, rather than themselves. The ego, that part that many of us define as ourselves, passes away when we die. Look inside yourself. When you think to yourself, I think, therefore I am. What is that part of you that's just behind that thought? Noticing that you are thinking. There's something there when you look deep enough inside yourself that we can't quite put our finger on. Our subconscious, our soul, the Akasha staring back at us. I've experienced this thing through psychedelic journeys and meditation. It's interesting, and it's there in all of us. The third. The third thing I believe could happen to us when we die is an afterlife. It's possible that those near-death experiences that have not been satisfactorily explained away by science could hold some truth about our continued existence beyond the physical body. It's possible that there is an afterlife where our dead friends and relatives are waiting for us, setting up a proper dinner table, overflowing with foods and drinks that we all loved in life. It's also possible that the afterlife is some nebulous form of existence that has no resemblance to what we've experienced here on Earth. It could be something like what can be experienced behind closed eyes when taking a heavy dose of LSD, DMT, or psilocybin mushrooms. The afterlife could be an infinite space of swirling geometric figures, bright lights, and felt presences that communicate with you, not with words, but emotions. The afterlife could be the Akasha itself. Your own movement would be guided by thought rather than what you're used to here with tendons and muscles. Your own experience could be defined by what you choose to imagine. The swirling kaleidoscope of geometry could be brought to a standstill and then manipulated into something more familiar by your thoughts alone. If thought can be the driving force of that afterlife experience, we would be the architects of our own heavens or hells. Then, after a time, playing with the fabric of reality, 
creating amazing worlds with our imagination alone, being godlike alongside other beings or family and friends, we would then choose to be born again. That next physical life would be of our choosing. What would you like your next experience to be as a limited physical being? And if this is the case, why would you ever choose a life of misery? Why would anyone? Perhaps simply for the experience. What if we are gods embodied? Gods that got bored of being all-powerful and eternal. After an indefinite amount of time playing with reality and knowing all there is to know, wouldn't it make sense to want a fresh start? Wouldn't you get bored of knowing so much, of experiencing all there is to experience? If the nature of reality is eternity, and we are part of reality, then we are eternal. This physical experience only serves to remind us what it's like to feel limited and to keep us sane in this infinite existence. And now, dear listener, we've reached the end. (laughs) I think I've said enough, at least for now. I hope you've enjoyed this entry into the mind of Fred. Remember, this is only one way to try to understand the reality that you and I find ourselves in. There are many others that probably would make more sense to you. Never stop asking questions. Feed your curiosity, because there is so much to be curious about. If you liked this episode, please give it a like and subscribe to our podcast. There's more where that came from. From me, from Harlan, from Matt. If you think there are others who would enjoy this, please feel free to share it with them. The more the merrier. Also, if you'd like to reach us about anything we talk about here on Spacious, look us up on Twitter, at Spacious Podcast, or you could find me directly. My Twitter is at mind underscore of underscore Fred. And so with that, I thank you for listening. I hope you have a marvelous day. Until next time, dear listener. In la kek, a la akin. I am you, and you are me.